Good morning, everyone. My name is Nick. Uh, I was voluntold that I was doing this this morning, so bear with me as I read off this paper. Not by me. Not by, by my wife, so I couldn't have said no. Um, welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. We are so glad that you are here, and the Lord is glad that you are here. Um, those of you who know our motto, help me out. No matter your story, you are welcomed, you are wanted, and you are loved. If you are a first-time guest with us today, be sure to grab one of our brochures, or you can always go to our website, recreatechurch.org. If you believe in what we are doing, you can also drop off tithes and offerings in one of the tall wooden boxes located by the exit and also by the hospitality area, which is right over there. You can also give online through the Tithely app. If you miss a Sunday or want to share a message with a friend, the Recreate Church podcast can be found on just about any app for streaming audio or search us on Google. We have some back-to-school supplies, packs, backpacks with supplies available in the hospitality area, so that'll be over there. Today, Pastor Michael is teaching from the Gospel of Mark on priorities. Before I turn it over to him, I want us to pray. Lord, we believe in your <laughs> Lord, we believe in your power to transform lives. Please open our hearts to the priorities you have set for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, side note, if you're interested in helping with the kids' ministry, there is a sign up at the guest service desk, which is right back there. And I want to prioritize that that is if you are interested. It is not a commitment. It is to figure out what you may or may not want to do. Thank you guys. Thank you, Nick. How about a hand for Nick? He did a great job for a... He's a, he's a great voluntold. I'm so glad to see you guys this morning. Uh, it's been several weeks since I've been able to share the word with you. Last week, Billy talked about his mission trip, and it was fantastic. The week before that, Duncan shared up here. And, and I'm so glad to be back with you and uh, back in the Gospel of Mark. But before we get to that... I kind of want to hear something from you guys. What was, your, what was your first job? Somebody tell me your first job. Shout it out. First job. Taco Bell. I heard Taco Bell. That caught my attention. Taco Bell. Thank you. Thank you. Taco Bell. You st- can you still make good tacos, John? Oh, yeah. He says, oh, yeah. Tacos. I like that. I heard a lot. There's a lot of good ones. I, I feel like some people got left out. Go ahead and shout. Everybody at once, shout your first job. Just ready on a count of three. One, two, three. Those are fantastic jobs. So, but I, I like, I'm, I'm in taco mood today. Hope that's okay. Taco. Okay. What is the core business of Taco Bell? What is the focus of Taco Bell? What item is the core business of Taco Bell. Here's a hint. It's in the name. Bells. Thank you, son. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my genetics right there. Uh, tacos. Tacos. The core business of Taco Bell is selling tacos. I mean, that's, that's what you do. Do they do other things? Sure. Suppose you're working at Taco Bell, and your job is to get people to take as many napkins as they can. Hey, they're already free with the sauces. I love that about Taco Bell. McDonald's is stingy. You ask for an extra sauce from McDonald's, and they ask you to sign an affidavit and prove it. Uh, Taco Bell's like, hey, is that enough? And they like reach in and just boom. What if, what if they assign someone, your whole job is, hey, get, get people to take napkins. 
Why would you do that? That's not that important. What if Taco Bell focused so much on giving away napkins that they let their priorities slip off of tacos, and it turns out they stopped making tacos? Napkin Bell does not have the same ring to it as Taco Bell. You would never do that. If Taco Bell shifted the focus off of tacos and onto napkins, it would cease to be what it is. It would no longer be what it is. It would fail as a business, probably, and if it didn't, it would become something completely different than it was meant to be. Priority shapes destiny. What you focus on will grow. What you allow to fade in the background will fade away. So that tells us if we say something's important, we can't let it fade into the background. We have to make it our priority. I hear a lot of people talking these days about how the world is going downhill, how culture is going downhill, especially spiritually, and how the world seems to turn, have turned away from God and, and turned away from church. And it's hard to argue with that, you know. But the conversation I want to have is how that reality is tied to priority. Should we be surprised that the lost world doesn't have right priorities when so often the church and church people don't have the right priorities? I've been in church leadership for a long time. It's, uh, it's gosh, wow. Um, over 20 years now, over church, 20 years I've been in some form of church leadership. And I've seen a lot. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of people come and go. But this much is true. I look around this world and I see millions, if not billions of people who are spiritually hungry. They just, they don't know what, will satisfy that hunger but they are spiritually hungry hungry the hunger is there there are tens of thousands of people in our community that are spiritually hungry for something they cannot seem to find and they try to fill it with a lot of other things you might think i'm crazy for saying this but i feel like we could have a spiritual awakening so quickly because the hunger is there it's just if we can show people what they're hungry for. We have the opportunity to make a life-transforming connection with Jesus and the opportunity to help other people make that connection and that transformation. The hunger is there. The opportunity is there. Our priorities there. Because for far too long, so many people have seen, have had experiences with churches and church people who did not seem to have their priorities right. If you have been around church for a while, if you've got experience in church, in your past, I almost guarantee you've had some encounters with some church people who were real churchy but not real Jesus-y. There's a difference, you know what I'm saying? Jesus treated people very differently sometimes than religious people treat people. And you've heard me say it lots of times. How you treat people is really going to be a bigger witness than what you say about your faith or belief or religion because you can talk a big game religiously but if it doesn't translate into the way that you deal with people they're they're not going to listen see it's it's easy for priorities to slip even with churches and and christians before we get discouraged about that before we start pointing fingers it can happen to anybody even us even the 12 disciples these were the guys who followed Jesus day and night. They were physically, literally with Jesus all the time. 
And yet they still got their priorities wrong a lot of the time. And Jesus is going to teach them some kingdom priorities here in this scripture. We're in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 40. We won't get through all of it today. We'll get a big bite out of it. And we're going to see how priority shapes destiny. So in Mark chapter 9, that doesn't seem like a lot of chapters, but it's a short book. And the whole last third of the book of Mark is about Jesus's, you know, the end part, you know, where Jesus is is uh, being betrayed and crucified and, and resurrected. So at this point, already in Mark chapter nine, Jesus has started the countdown to the crucifixion. He is going to pass through Galilee for the last time. And he's going to go down to Jerusalem, make a winding way down to Jerusalem where his murder is already being plotted. The disciples don't understand that, even though he's told them several times and he's about to tell them again that he is going to be murdered and he's going to rise again. That's where Jesus begins his teaching on priorities. I want to read you a little bit and uh, we'll stop and pray. Verse 30. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. And they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need to know so badly your priorities for us as individual believers and followers of you. And we need to know your priorities for us as a church. And may we have those right and influence people for you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this isn't the first time Jesus uh, talked about his crucifixion, um, his impending death and resurrection. And it isn't the first time the disciples tried to avoid the question. I mean, can we blame them? They've invested all their life, all their hope into Jesus. They have an expectation that Jesus is going to rise to some earthly position of political power that was their understanding of what the messiah would be they saw him as someone who was coming to defeat the roman oppressors and make himself a king they could not understand how that was compatible with this idea that jesus would die and rise again so they just kind of didn't want to talk about it they they did not ask later on they wouldn't avoid the subject it would become the subject it is the subject the death and the resurrection of jesus the sacrificial death and the miraculous resurrection of jesus from death to life that is the core of everything now remember i, I realize that christianity if you if you typed into google list out the world's religions one of the options that would come up is christianity along with hinduism buddhism and so forth islam this is a religion, they would say. I'm here to tell you that this whole business of following Jesus is not and is never meant to be a religion. I understand that people have turned it into a religion through the years, but that's not what this really is. This is more than a religion. We are not just people who follow a set of regulations or ceremonies or a moral code. We aren't even just a people who are primarily characterized by belief in the bible should you believe in the bible yes but even if you never see a bible you can be a christian 
So what does identify us? What makes us who we are? It is faith, trust in a resurrected Savior. No resurrection, no Christianity. No Jesus raising from the dead, no business us being here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone event of our faith and really the cornerstone event of all history. More than anything else, we are people who seek to connect with the resurrected Savior and help other people connect with the resurrected Savior. So what is priority number one? I think I've got a slide there. Priority number one, people plus Jesus. That's it. Priority number one. What does a local church do? People plus Jesus. And then we go from there. What, what do you, as an individual person, what is your calling? People plus Jesus. You plus Jesus. Other people plus Jesus. That's the good news. That's the gospel. The message of salvation. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And he rose again so we can live. That's our core. Recreate Church, if, if you grab one of those brochures and you open it up and you look in the middle and you see the identity statement, it says Recreate Church is a community of life and love leading people with the mission of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We want every single person to make a momentum shift towards Jesus. That's our business. Like, if you're close to Jesus, if you're here today and you're close to Jesus, awesome. We want to be part of you becoming closer. There's always closer. There's always more and more and more. If you're here today and you're kind of on the fence about Jesus, man, we want to get you leaning towards the Jesus side of the fence, at least, okay? If you're far from Jesus, we want to get you inched a little closer to Jesus. If you're running away from Jesus, we want to get you to slow down to a walk. That's our goal for the day, slow you down to a walk. Because we believe that Jesus is life-changing and transformational. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And we are convinced with all our hearts that the thing that every human soul needs is Jesus, is a relationship with Jesus. Nothing else matters until we get that straightened out. People plus Jesus. People plus Jesus. That's powerful, y'all. People plus Jesus. That's the number one focus. It's got to be our number one focus as people and as a church. Okay, if this was Taco Bell... People plus Jesus would be our tacos. That would be the core. Everything else is good. It's great stuff. Taco Bell's got to have napkins and sauce. And they got to have Baja Blast Mountain Dew. Or else my son will be very disappointed. I don't know what it tastes like. I don't want to know. I don't want to be Baja Blasted. That's not on my bucket list. All those things are good. All those things are important. Gorditas, fantastic. Chalupas, yep. Them Mexican pizza things, I'm not even sure how that works, but it's good. I love Taco Bell's business model. It's the same five or six ingredients, just remixed different ways. Fantastic. There's meat-ish stuff. Meat-ish. It's meat-ish. Uh, actually, look up some or Google that. It ain't all meat. It's meat-ish. It's meat-adjacent. Um, it's meat-ish and, and some kind of tortilla-ish thing. Tortilla? Tortilla? There we go. Sorry. Hillbilly trying to speak Spanish. And cheese and sauce and all those things are fantastic, but the core of the business is in the name. It's tacos. Tacos. Look, if we're Taco Bell, 
People plus Jesus is our tacos. That's got to be number one. If we do a million other things, if we as a church give away bunches of backpacks with supplies. By the way, if you've got a kid who needs supplies, make sure you get those in the hospitality area. There's like four or five of them back there. And if they get missing and you still need some, let us know. We'll take care of that. Uh, if we give away bunches of backpacks, that is fantastic. If we give away water out here on hot days, it's great. If we paint faces down at uh, the town events, love that. But all of those things are so we get the opportunity to show people that Jesus loves them. The people plus Jesus part. That's where it's at. We cannot leave that out. When we don't have people plus Jesus as our number one priority, it gets ugly. If, we, if a church or Christian people don't have people plus Jesus as their number one priority, they will often not be very nice to people on the outside. Sometimes they won't be nice to people on the inside. When we prioritize our own preferences above reaching people, then we argue about decorations and colors of carpets and arrangements instead of talking about how we can reach more people for Jesus. We fall into a comfortable rut instead of relational growth. Lift ourselves up instead of lifting up Jesus as a beacon of hope for the hungry and for the hurting. That's not what we're about. We're about people plus Jesus. Now, at the time of this story, the disciples who would be completely consumed with the idea of people plus Jesus later on, they did not get it yet. They were still arguing about other things. They were arguing amongst themselves. So let's look at verse 33. Verse 33. It's going to get a little uncomfortable for the disciples. Then he came to Capernaum. Capernaum was Jesus' ministry headquarters in Galilee. This is the last time he's going to Capernaum. So it's kind of a big deal. Disciples don't know it's the last time, but we know it's the last time. Keep that in mind. He came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be called the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. Jesus is in the home stretch of his earthly ministry. He's coming back through Capernaum for the last time when they're in the house that was the ministry headquarters. Jesus asked them, what is it that you were arguing about along the way here? And, of course, he knew. He knew. And they knew he knew. And they were too embarrassed to answer. So he called them out on it. They were caught up in who would get the honor. Who would get the credit? Who would get the recognition? Who would get the power? Who was better? Who was more deserving? Who would be served because of their greatness? Who would be served? That's the way of the world, isn't it? The way of the world. We want to decide who gets the credit and who gets the bigger and who gets the better. Who gets the promotion? Who gets the pat on the back? Who's the one who gets the honor for whatever's been accomplished? Who's the one who gets to be the top dog? And then all the reasons of why that person wasn't as deserving as we were. Because they got it and we deserved it more. That's the way of the world. We even do this on weird stuff. I love the weird competition in the adult world of who's more tired. 
I read a definition of being an adult, and it's this. An adult means being, always being tired and telling other people that you're tired, and they're telling you that they're more tired than you, and you have to argue that you're more tired than them, and that is what adulthood is. I've had that experience. I can confirm that is some significant part of it. That is a weird competition. Like, who's more tired than you? And I'm going to go out, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, step out on the limb here and say, nobody's more tired than moms. No amens for that. I really, I was pandering there a little bit. I thought I was fishing for an amen. I thought I'd get one. No one's more tired than moms. There you go. There it is. No one's more tired than moms. So uh, I think that's a safe thing to say. But in, in general, you know, it's like, oh, man, why are you tired? I slept terrible last night. Why is that the competition of who slept worse? Well, you must have slept good because you were snoring. No, honey, that means I was sleeping bad. I was trying to die, and it didn't quite happen. Why is that a competition? I don't know. It's a strange game we play. I don't know. It's, it's, and what's the prize for being the one who's, who sleeps the worst? But we're, we always seem to be jockeying for this, this position, and it does get more serious, okay, even in, in um, relationships with the most important people in your life you know you argue when something's going wrong who's more at fault who has the moral high ground who has it worse who deserves more compassion who makes the bigger contribution who's more to blame who's actually the real problem who's more deserving of better treatment and we're ready to argue about that that's a weird thing we do we say we love each other but it doesn't always look that way let me tell you The truth of the matter is, if you win an argument with someone you love, you did not win. There's there's not a win in that. There's got to be a better way. These are the ways of the world. This is the way of, that's not the good part of us at work. When we're competing to see who is better and who, who is more deserving of being served. We're called to be different than that. Jesus said first place is different than we think. He said, uh, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. So let's put that in perspective. Here from our, our point of view, our limited human point of view, what would a first place Christian look like? And you might think of some very well-known preacher with a TV program and who's written lots of books and he's got a great big church and that looks like a first place believer. And you know what? Some of those guys really are pretty great and faithful but that's not what first place looks like in jesus's book jesus said first place means putting yourself in last place making yourself a servant of all that brings us to priority number two serving people serving people not being served serving people how are you serving people how are you personally serving people let's let that ruminate just a little bit we're gonna let that marinate that's the right word marinate we're gonna marinate that just a little bit how are you personally serving people how are you serving people in your home and that can get a little uncomfortable because we some of us including myself probably realize we should be serving more in our own homes how are you serving in your extended family how are you serving people 
How are you serving people at work? And I don't mean like if you're a waitress and you're serving them food. I mean like serving that you don't have to do. How are you serving people? How are you serving people at school? How are you serving people in this community? How are you serving people in your church family? How are you serving? And if you don't have a real good immediate answer, think on that. Ask God for opportunities to serve, and he will show you. I guarantee it. Ask for opportunities to serve. We've had one this morning about working with the kids ministry. That's one. That's a church one. That's cool. Sign up for that if you're interested in that. But also serve in your home and your family. That's got to happen first. And normally, we're not doing as good a job of that as we think we are. The greatest followers of Jesus are probably people you've never heard of because they were too busy serving to get their picture made. They were too busy serving to stop and tell you what they were doing. These people are are no flash and all substance. It's all substance. Hey, we're still pretty early in the history of Recreate Church, relatively speaking. Um, do you remember October 22nd is our birthday, y'all? October 22nd. So we're going to have to do something fun for that, okay? We'll be six years old, officially. We're ready to start first grade in the fall. We're still pretty early. We, we don't have a lot of the flashy stuff yet. We will never own a fog machine because me and the drummer got asthma. We just ain't going to do that. And I don't, I don't know that that's, yeah, that's not our jam anyway. Let someone else have the laser show and the fog machine. That's fine. We'll just, we'll just do something else. Um, we don't have a lot of the budget or, bigger, or programs of bigger churches. We don't have the amenities that we're going to have someday. And that's okay because you don't have to have a ton of stuff to carry out your calling. Those are nice-to-haves. Those are hope-to-haves. But the got-to-haves list is a lot shorter. We're praying the Lord will, will provide for us a more suitable facility than one we're in now, more room for our kids and more room here. But we don't have to have that in order to carry out our calling. We want that. We need that. We could use that. But right here, right now, we don't have to have those things to be a powerful, effective church. It's not about offering the most options. It's about serving people. So here's my prayer. That we are not, that, not that we would outdo others, but that we would love and serve people and show them Jesus to the maximum ability that the Holy Spirit will give us. And if we do those things, it's going to be all right. Our obsession should not be outdrawing. It should be out serving and out loving and out sharing it comes back to priority number one. What's priority number one? If you'll pull that up here, please. Priority number one is people plus Jesus. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The way you serve people will be your credibility or lack of credibility for priority one. So priority two is a supporting priority for priority one. If you ain't serving people, you're not going to have much of a chance to share with people, share Jesus to people. Just leave priority one up. I'm going to, if you will, let's let that sit just kind of for the rest of this message. We need to show the world a group of people so dedicated to selfless service that they can't ignore the message about the Savior. Priority shapes destiny. Don't underestimate the power of a church that's got right priorities, y'all. I think God's got a lot of work for us to do. We've got to have the number one priority as our real number one priority. Not just say it, not just put it on something, but our real number one priority has to be people 
plus Jesus. I've done the math. There is a minimum of 30,000 people within reasonable driving distance of this spot who do not have a life-giving connection with a community of faith. We would say that Southwest Virginia is on the Bible Belt, and maybe that's true. But the Bible Belt these days is more like a string. It's, a, it's like a fodder twine belt, if you're country enough. Two out of three people in our community and the surrounding communities are not actively involved in a local church. And that doesn't say anything necessarily about you know, where their spiritual condition is. Being involved in a church doesn't mean you're saved, and not being involved in a church doesn't mean you're not saved, but I'm telling you, everyone needs a personal connection. Despite the fact that people aren't in church, there is spiritual hunger all around us. Do you see it? It's there. It's the thing that people are feeding with these other things. It's spiritual hunger that's really there underneath all of it when people are are looking for worldly accomplishment or drowning their sorrows in substance. That's what it's behind all of that is a need for Jesus. For a life-transforming connection with Jesus. We can be a part of that, that hunger, feeding that hunger. Do you know what this building right here was originally built to be? It was a, it was a restaurant. A restaurant, okay? Juanita says it was a service station, but I'm telling you, it's, it was a restaurant. For the purposes of this illustration, it was a restaurant. Anyone ever eat here? Oh, hey, we have someone who worked here. That's cool. There were some, they made burgers here. They were good burgers. I vaguely remember it. I was pretty young at the time. Yeah, there was good food here. You could get your hunger satisfied here. And you still can. We don't sell cheeseburgers. But we offer Jesus Christ. And he's already been paid for. Jesus Christ. People plus Jesus. That's our number one priority. It's got to be. Our menu maybe isn't as big as some churches. Not yet. But people plus Jesus is right there. It's special number one. All right. So my question for you is, you personally, have you put your trust in Jesus? Not in your ability to follow a moral code and be a good person. I hope you're a good person. I hope you follow some kind of moral code. But that's not the question here. The question is, have you trusted in Jesus? I'm not asking if you've joined a church or your name's on a church roll or if you've been baptized. I'm asking you, have you trusted Jesus? That's a life-transforming connection. Is your life different than it used to be after you trusted Jesus? It should be. Look, I'm going to end this. I just want to share with you that, that story, the gospel story, real quickly for the people here. And there will be people in the parking lot listening because we have our radio transmitter turned on during the service and our podcast goes out all over the world. I just want to give the gospel as plain as I know how. Every human being has sinned. That's not a comfortable thought. But if you're honest with yourself, you're not perfect. We've all sinned. We've fallen short of what we should be, what we know we should be. 
And God's standards are much higher than our standards. If we don't live up to our own morality 100% of the time, there's no way we'll live up to God's standards. So we've got a problem. We're separated from God by our sin. We're, we're separated from the life that we could have by our sin. We, we need salvation and we need transformation. And sometimes we feel that more than others. Jesus sent his son to bear the penalty of our sin, to bridge that gap. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, the only one who's ever done it. And he gave his life on the cross for us. He stepped in our place. He took our death penalty. And then three days later, he proved his divinity by rising from the dead. First person to ever do that in the way that he did it, a self-resurrection. And if we'll trust in him, we can be forgiven and made clean and be given a brand new life. That's the gospel. Have you done that? Have you done that? I want to pray right now. If you need to pray to God to be saved, this is the time to do it. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for sending Jesus, your son, to us to make us clean. Lord, if there's folks receiving this message right now who need to seek you and turn to you and be saved, I pray that you would move their hearts with your Holy Spirit to do so. Lord, if, if anybody needs to be saved, they could call out to you something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I want to be clean. I want the new life that you offer. I want to live for Jesus. I give you my life. And I pray for the new life that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, Lord willing, we're going to come back next week and talk about some more of these priorities. We didn't cover them all today. Um, but it starts there with that first one, people plus Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we're about. And that's what we'll continue to be. That's all I got, folks. I'm so glad that you are here today. May God bless you. I hope you have a fantastic week. Love you guys. Hopefully we'll see you again soon. Take care.